0: Welcome to the Hacker Podcast. This is the Hacka Convo with my brother, Mike Hackathorn. For those of you who might be new to the podcast, we have these uh, short conversations about different topics and it's off the cuff, it's less produced, it's impromptu sort of thing. And uh, we really enjoy it. But before we get into the conversation that we have today, uh, I'm actually going to be away next week on Sunday and traveling out to Indonesia. Traveling over there with overseas missions of Australia. And uh, we're looking forward to what, what God's doing over there. So uh, I'm going to be out of the country. I do plan to have an episode out next week. Uh, we plan to have that out. And then I'm thinking about we might actually record a short episode in Indonesia to give you guys a bit of an update of what's happening and uh, share something over there. So excited for that. Keep us in your prayers. So that'll be, this will be out on Saturday. So if you guys. Uh, you know, keep us in your prayers for for that time over in Indonesia. But I'm excited to have Mike back for the Hacker Convo. Last time he was on, it was a couple months ago. Uh, he was the guinea pig for the video content, and it seems to have been going well since. But our last conversation, we talked about baptism in Jesus' name, and we actually had a comment on our YouTube video. Uh, a guy reached out to us and said that, uh, you know, after watching the episode, there's thinking about getting baptized in Jesus' name. I'm not sure if he followed through. We reached out to him. Unfortunately, I haven't heard back, but just the fact that he was thinking about it, and and hopefully he did follow through, that would be amazing. But uh, you know, this is why we do what we do. Isn't that, isn't that right, Mike?
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is 100% the reason why we do this.
0: So our, our last few convos we've been talking about, uh, we talked about the oneness of God. We talked about baptism in Jesus' name and and you decided we might as well continue on down sort of a, a doctrine type uh, yes. theme that we've been doing. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Would you mind kicking us off like like you normally do with these conversations?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is, uh, I mean, anything that has to do with doctrine, I am super passionate about, if you couldn't tell. Um I, you know, the oneness of God, that's kind of my, my thing. Um, but you know, the, the doctrinal message of salvation is just as important. Um, Mm -hmm. love talking about baptism in Jesus name, but the Holy ghost is something that I am super passionate about. Um, because you can't find this anywhere else. Um, you know, I and I don't. I mean, I hate to start it off. I, I don't mean to start it off on a on a bad note or a negative note. Um, but recently, you know, I've really begun to appreciate um, some of the some of the traditions uh, that the Apostolic mm. Church upholds. Um, I've always appreciated them. That's maybe the wrong word, but I've really started to see them in a different light um, and, and see kind of the other side. Um, and, and what we have works and what we have is awesome. And what we have is the best thing going. And that's just a fact. Um, the apostolic faith is as far as I'm concerned, as good as it gets. And with that being said, the Holy ghost, the moving of the Holy ghost is something that you absolutely have to have if you're going to call yourself a church, if you're going to call yourself believers in in God and followers of Jesus Christ, you have to have His Spirit, and and so mm-hmm. that the, one of the things that we see in a lot of Christianity is the Holy Spirit kind of gets um, the boot, so to say, so to speak. Um, you know, you hear about the Father, you hear about the Son. But the Holy Ghost seems to, you know, kind of be kicked off to the side a little bit. Um,
0: Yeah, uh, and Francis Chan, you know, Francis Chan, he actually wrote a book. I remember seeing this a few years ago. Uh, It's it's probably more than a few years ago now. But I remember going into the bookstores and seeing this book by Francis Chan called The Forgotten God. (laughs) It's talking about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah.
1: Not forgotten by us, right? Yeah, I mean, and yeah. so the the thing is, is that um, we see this in a lot of other denominations. Again, not trying to put anybody down, but they're kind of catching up to what we have. I've experienced this since I was a kid. Um, so mm. I, I'm blessed, extremely blessed to have experienced this since I was a child, since I was born, pretty much. Um, and you're starting to see some of these other denominations kind of catch up to that and realize that the Holy Spirit is not just some weird, spooky thing, but the Holy Spirit is is necessary for salvation. If you're going to survive in this crazy world, and, and and it is undoubtedly a crazy world, if you're going to survive mm-hmm. in this crazy world, you had better have the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. You had better have that voice that speaks to you to tell you to go this way instead of that way you had better have those experiences and you'd better have that in your life and and so you know unfortunately it's kind of an unfortunate thing but in a lot of a lot of belief systems the holy spirit is kind of treated as the third person of the trinity and kind of some mysterious blob that nobody can really define but the reality is that the, the, the Bible tells us exactly who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is none other than God himself, and it is God in action. We see hmm. from the beginning in Genesis chapter one, from the very beginning, it says that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. What the writer of Genesis, what Moses was showing us there is that is the Holy Spirit is God in action. It's it's God coming down and, and being active in our lives. And, and so it's not, it's we don't go to a physical temple anymore and and lift our hands and worship, but instead we have become the temple. And and that to me is the, the most powerful thing about the Holy Spirit is now I don't have to go find God. I don't have to go seek God out. God sought me out and now he lives inside of me. And that to hmm. me is the most powerful part of the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah, and as you said earlier, you know, these churches are recognizing the necessity of having the Spirit of God moving in their services and, and being part of their lives. And I guess from the very beginning, that is where the power is at. <laughs> yeah. Jesus said you'll receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. It's the power to overcome, uh, it's the power to to live the life that, that God wants for you. And yeah, with, without that, we're, we're a ship without a sail. You know, we don't really know exactly where we're going, what we're doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's, um, to me, you know, I think one of the questions that people may ask is, well, do I need to receive the Holy spirit? I, and I've, I've had plenty of conversations um, and I've had plenty of uh, plenty of those questions, um, and I, I I get the question, but not to be mean, it's a bit of an ignorant question. Um, the reality is that yes, absolutely, you need the infilling of the spirit. The, the scripture is very clear about it. Uh, Paul says, "If if any man does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his." So how do you even belong to Christ if you don't have His spirit? And so. The, the reality of the matter is that um, it's not optional. It's not optional. Like a lot of these other denominations treat it, the receiving, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is not optional. That's how you're adopted into the family of God. You, mm-hmm. You're adopted through repentance, then through baptism in Jesus' name, then through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Every single one of those are components to being a part of the family of God. And so... When we talk about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, here, here's why it's so important. John the Baptist comes on the scene, okay? And, and he says, he says, he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, I've heard so many people focus on the Holy Spirit aspect of it. But what about the and with fire? Because they're connected. They are related to each other. So when he says you're going to receive the Holy Spirit and fire, what he's saying is that there is that fire. And and he tells you right after that what he's talking about. He talks about how his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear out his threshing floor and those types of things. What he's talking about is the reason we need the Holy Spirit is because it is that fire. It's that fire. And I, I believe I've heard Brother Mark Morgan actually say this but it's that fire that burns out anything in you. That's not like him. That's why you have to have the Holy spirit. It's not a gimmick. It's not a sideshow. It's not something that, that we do because it feels good because it's emotional. It's, and I've seen that on both sides, right? I I've seen, you know, uh, I have seen some apostolics get a little over emotional with it. I've seen the other side where nobody gets emotional about it. We need to find that middle area, uh, when he says baptize you with the holy spirit and with fire what he's saying is i'm going jesus is going to give you something that's going to clean you out and the purity of that first temple the first temple that we saw solomon's temple it, it was it, it was clean it was pure and now that is what you should be that's why the holy spirit comes inside of you the the Holy Spirit doesn't come inside of you be, to make you feel goosebumps and to feel emotional. That's cool. That's great. But that's not why the Holy Spirit comes inside. The Holy Spirit comes inside to burn anything out of me that's not like Him.
0: Yeah, and, and it's also important that we recognize the moment that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's really what sets us apart as apostolics, as Pentecostals, you know, as Pentecostals we believe. Uh, what took place on the day of Pentecost is for every believer. And not only is it for every believer, but it is necessary for every believer. As Peter said, uh, you will repent, be baptized, and be filled with the the Spirit. And this promise is to you, is to your children, is to all that are far off. and, and And that was in response to a question, you know, what do we need to do to make ourselves right? And he responds by giving that answer. And it falls right in line. We talked about this before. It falls right in line with John three, uh, where Jesus said you need to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. He talks about baptism, being filled with the Spirit. So we see those connections. But how do we know that someone has been filled with the Spirit? Because uh, other Christian denominations will say, "Yeah, yeah, we believe all of that. Everything that you just said, we agree with. Um, you know, we have the fruit of the Spirit. That sort of thing. We believe that we have the Holy Spirit when when we accepted Jesus as our personal Savior." We believe that we receive the Spirit of God and and we've been adopted and so on. But the Bible shows a clear example of when people received the gift of the Holy Ghost, there was an actual sign that took place Mm -hmm. that people knew that you received it outside of you confessing your faith or believing in Jesus. There was an actual sign in the New Testament church that, as far as we know, the disciples never said that this was going to stop. (laughs) <laughs> no, you know, there uh it's a there's a continuation and it, and of and this and so what what is that sign
1: yeah it's in, in uh to answer your question the the sign is speaking and t- speaking in other tongues um and and i've seen that you know and ooh, we're about to get spooky right you know it's about to get weird <laughs> well the the reality of it is that it's not that weird right i i, I mean i it's gotten to the point now where it seems like in different denominations, it's not weird anymore. It, it's it's oh, no, gotten it's, to the yeah. point to where, yeah, I mean, it's gotten to the point to where uh, everybody wants to speak in tongues now, <laughs> whether it's in order or not in order. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> want to do it. Um, but the thing, and that's a whole different discussion. But um, the thing is, is I like what you said. It is the prevalent sign in the scripture that someone received the holy spirit was they spoke in tongues and you know if it happened one time then maybe you could dismiss it but it's in the scripture at least three definable times acts chapter 2 acts chapter 10 and acts chapter 19 all three of those places it's very very clear that when those people received the spirit it was evidenced by speaking out of their tongues acts chapter 2 it's jewish people Acts chapter mm-hmm. 10, it's Gentiles, you and I. Acts chapter 19 yep. is disciples of John. So it, he, I, I believe Luke did it on purpose. I absolutely believe Luke did it on purpose. I think he demonstrated those three scenarios because he probably even had people in his own day who were discounting it, saying that it wasn't necessary. And so he's giving these three examples saying no, this this is for everyone. What what Peter said on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is still true. I've heard so many people say, I'm not going to call people out in particular, but I've heard so many people say, well, that was for them during that time. Well, no, that that's completely biblically inaccurate. Peter says in verse 39, the promises to you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So if you're called... The gift is for you. The promise is for you. Okay, and so what he what he's literally saying is that if if you are called of God, you should want this. This should be something that you want. Um, and and the reality is that, an and another question I've always asked people is, why not? What is it going to hurt? So we can sit here and debate all day long and sit here and say. Well, I don't know if I have to speak in tongues or if you have to speak. Let's put that aside for one minute. The Bible makes this promise to you. Jesus is offering you this gift. He is saying that in order to be a part of his family, this is something you need to do. Why would you not want that? If you are a Christian, if you really believe in Jesus and you really believe in what he says, why would you not want all of it?
0: And and oftentimes the, there's a confluence between speaking in tongues and the gift of tongues, and they'll say that you know, okay, yeah, we grant. <laughs> at first, they wouldn't grant this at all, and then uh, because millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people had received have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, now they're saying, oh, well, it's not actually speaking in tongues is for everybody. That's just the gift, you know, the gift of tongues. Right. is talked about, I believe, its it is it First Corinthians 14, where Paul talks yeah. about the gifts of the Spirit? And um, I always, for whatever reason, I always uh, get uh, chapter 12 and chapter 14 <laughs> confused. Yeah, I think chapter 12 <laughs> is like the offices, right? Uh, Fivefold yes. ministry. Yeah, I believe you're like, right. I get them confused
1: the too, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, <I> think <laughs> well, hopefully
0: <laughs> we're right. Hopefully we don't sound <laughs> yeah. stupid. Check but, us. Um, this is why we do this. <laughs> yeah, check please. Please, yeah, uh, but yeah, he talks about uh, they talk about the gift of tongues there. But then Paul also at other times talks about speaking in tongues more than you all. So he's he's writing a letter to a church and he's saying I speak in tongue- tongues more than you all. Well, then did everyone in the church have the gift of tongues? Uh, and then he he also talks about how I would rather that you speak you know in a tongue that is known of man when you're gathering together in church. Rather than everybody speaking in in a heavenly language or speaking in tongues, again, was the whole church filled with the gift of tongues? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the gifts of the Spirit. Not every single person has every gift. Right. And so, um, you know, obviously, there's a difference between the initial sign of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is um, which is speaking in a language that you don't understand, and then there is the gift of tongues, which is further and above that, and, and that gift is to be used for the body, to edify the body, to uh, to speak to the church. When, when mm-hmm. God wants to speak to the church directly, He'll often work through the, the gift of tongues, but just because you speak in tongues doesn't mean that you have the gift of tongues.
1: Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I mean, and you covered that perfectly. Um, I just always like to add in First Corinthians chapter 14, Paul isn't discounting tongues. That's not what's Mm. going on there. So, so people, yeah, people use First Corinthians for whatever reason. They use First Corinthians fourteen as an excuse to get rid of tongues. That's not what Paul. Why would you want to get rid of it? (laughs) Yeah, no, no. If Paul wanted to get rid of it, he wouldn't. First of all, have never admitted to speaking in tongues more than all of them. And second of all, (laughs) he would have just said, "Get rid of it." That's not what's going on Mm. there. What's going on there is the Corinthian church from a historical perspective we know they were pretty messed up. They had a lot of issues going on. And this was, They give
0: us hope. They yeah,
1: absolutely. Hope. Yeah. I mean, they're they're worse than most churches I've been in. So you know, uh but um he so what he's doing is he's setting down these guidelines to help them to understand you shouldn't just be blabbing in different languages because somebody's going to walk in and they're going to go what is going on here? and and they're yeah. not going to they're not going to be edified. He's talking about edification for the mm. church, for the church as yeah. a whole because he specifically says when you're by yourself, I would prefer you to speak in tongues because that edifies you. But when you come mm. together, you shouldn't all have a tongue because that's just going to confuse everyone unless there's an interpreter. So, but yeah, you're 100% right. The gift of tongues and and the gift of the Holy Spirit are two separate things. Um, And again, Paul never discounts either one of them. So I think that, you know, you can't, and and I've seen this stuff abused. You and I have both been in churches where it's been abused, unfortunately, which is the reality. But you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay, you don't get rid of everything because some people abuse it and some people are crazy with it. The reality is that the (laughs) gift of the Holy Ghost is life-changing. You know, Mm -hmm. you... You mind if I go on a tangent a little bit here? You you better... (laughs) You better have the Holy Spirit in your church if you want to face what's coming in this world. Because this isn't the worst of it, okay? There's worse stuff coming. And you had better... People in your church had better have access to the gift of the Holy Spirit because the gift of the Holy Spirit is the only thing that's going to survive this. Mm. If your church is not Spirit-filled, they will not survive the stuff that's about to come. We already see them falling away, Mm. right? We already see people leaving the church. And it's because when they walk into church, they don't have anything meaningful. They come in, they get their cup of coffee, They sing a few songs. They hear a good lesson. Most of the lessons that I've heard taught are really, really good, no matter what church they're coming from. But it's not addressing what they need. What they need is something that can change their lives. They don't need to hear about how great relationships are and and what you can do about relationships when they don't even know the first thing about receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit.
0: I think we saw a lot of that during the the COVID lockdowns when people weren't able to come to church, they weren't able to be part of community. You can be part of an online community, but that's not the same as being in community with people. That's a different discussion. And and there's (laughs) exactly. Oh, maybe next time. But, uh, (laughs) you know, you, you need that. Right. And, and then people who didn't have the empowering of the Holy spirit, they didn't have the Holy spirit active in their life. And they were sort of relying on these relationships. They're relying on that touch touch point with their church once a week to sort of help them in their in their spiritual journey when they were locked away and it was just them <laughs> in their mind or whatever they were uh, allowed to do during those lockdowns you saw so many people fall away uh, be- because yeah. they didn't have that that empowerment of the holy spirit in their own personal life and you talked about it a number of times you know the purpose of the holy spirit is to help you to understand the will of God it's to help you hear the voice of God it's to help you as an individual in your walk with God to to know what is right to know what is wrong it's called the fruit of the spirit you know you have to have the holy yeah. spirit to exemplify the fruit of the spirit or else it's just you know good characteristics but it's not necessarily yes. the fruit of the spirit so yeah uh, of course you need to be filled with the holy spirit and and I know we might be beating a dead horse as Pentecostals and Apostolics talking to Pentecostals and Apostolics, but hey, maybe there's someone out there that hasn't heard it from this perspective, or uh, maybe there's an Apostolic out there that's listening that has been wondering, you know, why is it that this is so important? Well, we're trying to lay it out for you here today that that this is the reason why we stress it. That this isn't even going into uh, how you know, you pray in in the Spirit by yourself, and the yeah. Spirit is able to help you. In the places that you don't even know that you need help you're Mm. praying for things that you don't you're not even aware of that are taking place because you have connected to the spirit of god and and he uh, is able to help you pray the prayers that you need to pray that you don't even know you need to pray Mm. so there's just so much so much empowerment that takes place when you are filled with the spirit of god
1: yeah yeah i mean again you nailed it right on the head i i mean Again, I go back to why Why would you not want this? You know, I, mm. I, if I'm really a Christian, if I really love Jesus and I really want to be a part of the family of God, why would I not want to get everything that I can? Why would I not want to experience the depths of God and who he is? The reality is, the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's to help you. It's to lead you. It's to guide you. It's to clean you. It's to purify you. We don't hear much talking about that anymore. But that's what the Holy Spirit is there for. It's to purify you, to clean you out. And so it's not, it's not, I almost feel like it's become a dirty word in, in, in Christianity at times. You know, people, Holy Spirit, ooh you know it's it's spooky or whatever
0: do you know why do you know why it is mike i think i think it's because that? they don't understand it you know yeah and and because they they can't understand it or they can't wrap their head around it because it is something that is supernatural that's beyond you know cognitive understanding yeah then then it's like well i don't even know if i want to deal with it but i i, I it just occurred to me while we were talking it's like well the same people that will deny being filled with the holy spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues because they don't understand it. And they're like, this is strange. Why are you speaking a language you don't understand? But you you also, you, the same people will put their faith in believing in Christ and how a simple act of faith and belief in Christ is going to change their entire life. Yeah. If you're willing to believe in that, how is that any different than someone who is fully surrendering themselves to God and allowing the Spirit of God to speak? speak through them, which is what takes place when they're filled with the Holy spirit.
1: Well, uh, I'll go one step further. I'll, I'll go a little bit old school Pentecostal on you. Okay. If, if you're going to sit here and talk about, you know, how weird it looks and all this other stuff, what happens when we go to ball games? What happens when we go to sporting events? What happens when you go to concerts, we turn into absolute fools, man. I mean, we, we, (laughs) we, we, we go, we, we go out of our minds and, and, I've caught, I've had to catch myself doing, you know, uh, I'm a big sports nut it, it, basically every sport you can imagine I'm a fan. <laughs> of. So, you know, I've had to catch myself at times and, you know, but that, again, that's a different discussion, but I <laughs> guess what I would say is that if I can go crazy for that stuff, I, so what, I look a little foolish, who cares? Who, who cares what people think? You know, I, I, I've gotten to the point in my adult life, as bad as it sounds, where I just don't care. I don't care what people think. I don't care what they say. To a, to a certain extent, I understand you need to do your best to present yourself as well as you can to the world. I get that. But what I'm saying is, if somebody thinks that I look crazy because of how I pray or because of what happens when God moves on my life, I don't care because the mm. reality is that I have to have that in my life. It's got to be there. This, this, yeah. this
0: and it's Christianity <laughs> thing,
1: And it's biblical. It's biblical. And, and this Christianity thing is not a religion to me. It's not, it's not a tradition. It's, an ever-growing thing in my life. It's, it's something where I'm striving to know more and more and more about God. And how can you expect to know the depths of God without His Spirit? How can mm. you expect to know more about God if you don't have His Spirit? Um, and so what I would what I would challenge, anybody who's listening, we're certainly not trying to belittle you. We're certainly not. That's not what this is at all. We want you to understand we're passionate about this because this will change your life. It will change every aspect of your life. When you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, God will come into your life and he will begin to show you things you didn't even know were there. And he'll begin to turn over rocks in your heart that you didn't even know you had. And he'll begin to deal with issues that you didn't even know about. And that's the purpose. That's that's why we need his spirit. Because there are some things that, quite frankly, we just don't see. And we need him to see and we need him to get rid of it.
0: And on top of that, if you've been filled with the spirit, it's important that we walk in the spirit. It's important that we are yeah. renewed in the spirit. You know, that that's Absolutely. something that I remember growing up, that was talked about so much, you know, that we need to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. Have you yeah. had a breakthrough recently? When's the last time you spoke in tongues? When was the last time that you, you know, fully surrendered your heart to God and just got lost in his presence? And, you know, I want to challenge those of you who have been filled with the spirit that that you have a moment like that. You know, that you surrender your heart once again to God and and allow him to to work in you. and and as Mike had talked about, you know, to purify you, to work in those areas that that you may be trying to keep hidden from him because you know you need you need that operating in your life. And uh, before we finish up here, I, I I just wanted to touch on that one thing that you mentioned about about maybe act, uh, looking foolish just recently. Uh, my girls have really enjoyed watching these fail videos on youtube like watching people you know cr- uh, boats crash and all, all this silliness uh and we were watching this one compilation hey exactly <laughs> we were watching this one compilation and it was like four videos in a row of just people who are off their face drunk just doing silly crazy things to the point where i i changed the the compilation because i you know, my girls are young. I don't feel like right. I yeah. want to talk to them about why these people are behaving the way that they are. Sure. But that's seen as totally acceptable in this world. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a funny thing. It's a it's a societal thing. It's it's totally acceptable for someone to be walking down the street at one two in the morning, completely drunk out of their mind. You know, they had a great weekend and they get over it uh, the next day or whatever. Mm. Um, you know, if that is normalized in the world. I mean, you should not be ashamed of being filled with the spirit. You should not be yeah. ashamed of getting lost in the presence of God. You should not be ashamed of being a child of God. Don't allow, uh, don't allow what, what this world sees as foolish, what this world sees as uh, ridiculous behavior, you know, just because they accept other ridiculous behavior, you know? Um, anyway, I wanted to mention that cause it's like, you know, we don't have to be ashamed. And, and, um, uh, I think Brother Hoffman said that at the conclusion of my conversation with him on the podcast. He goes, you know, for for a long time, apostolics and Pentecostals, they, they were a bit ashamed of, or, you know, they felt like they needed to go to the background because of some of the things that they believe. But we don't need to be ashamed. You know, we can stand for truth, and, and we can be filled with the Spirit and be empowered by the Spirit of God in this yeah. day and age. Yeah. Any last words before we finish up, Mike?
1: Yeah, it's a, just to tag on with you what you said real quick. Um, you know, Paul, of course, says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And Peter says, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. You're special. You matter. Mm. And And you know what? If that's not good enough, then you might want to find something else. As bad as that sounds. That should be good enough is my point. That should be good enough. What God thinks about you, how God views you, should be good enough. And whether people accept that or not is not on you, and it's not on God. They have their own ways of thinking and their own ways of dealing with things. You are a peculiar people. You are a set-apart people. You are special. You are unique. We should act like it.
0: Hmm. Man, well, I didn't exactly see the conversation ending up here, but uh, I'm glad <laughs> it did. The, the last a little bit of everything. yeah. But uh, the last five to ten minutes was just was really good, and I hope you guys have enjoyed it. It's good to have Mike back on the podcast, uh, and yeah, I hope you guys uh, got something out of this. and And please let us know. Let us know in the comments or send us a message. Uh, you know, we love doing it, and. We'd like to hear from you guys. But anyway, we uh, thank you again for your time today. We look forward to seeing you guys next time on the Hacker podcast.